The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Hey, it's been really cool um, to watch over the last six weeks and hear some of the stories, what God's doing as we've journeyed through this series we call Mission 555. If you're new this morning, we're going to close out this series today. But the essence of what we've said over the last six weeks is, is that we wanted to take an evaluation of our current lives. We're not looking to add anything to it. We're not looking to put anything else on our plate that's not already there. But we wanted to say, let's take inventory of our current lives and let's figure out how can we live those lives intentionally and missionally so that other people around us could have the opportunity to know Jesus. And so this Tuesday in our community group, it was really cool to hear a few stories of people sharing about the opportunity to say Jesus to someone. And it's been really, really cool. Today we're going to close out this series. And if you miss any part of it, Mission 555, the principle is very simple. We've asked you to consider five people in five networks and consider how to serve them with the gospel with five different opportunities. To pray for them, to serve them, to invite them, to give some materials to them to help them know Jesus. And then today, we're going to close it out by actually encouraging you to share Jesus with them. And today may be the hardest uh, week of all six of these weeks. But I want to encourage you today, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to spend a few minutes, a little different than normal on a Sunday morning. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to set up our time this morning, and I'm going to ask one of our staff members to come out and share with you. He's a guy that lives out this idea of actually talking to people about Jesus, and I wanted him to encourage you. I told you this is going to be the most practical series, one of them we've ever done. And he's just going to practically tell you how he talks about Jesus to people, help you maybe even begin that as well. <clears throat> so before we jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, two weeks ago, uh, there was an article released by an organization called Barna. They do a lot of research in the Christian world. And part of the research that they found shed light on how we as Christians in America view this idea of evangelism. And what they found was 97% of practicing Christians in America, this is fresh, uh, fresh uh, research two weeks ago, they found 97% of Christians in America believe that sharing our faith, being a witness about Jesus, is essential to who we are as believers. They went on to say that 94% of those people they surveyed who were practicing Christians also said that the best thing that could happen to somebody is for them to meet Jesus. And then the research went off the charts from there. And they found that one out of every two millennials, don't get hung up on millennials and generations. My wife is a millennial. I'm a couple of years removed from millennial. I gave my life to millennials and youth ministry. But they found one out of every two millennials believed, somewhat agreed, that practicing and sharing your faith was wrong. And uh, you know how these surveys go. They give you five options. Strongly agree, somewhat agree, neutral, somewhat disagree, strongly disagree. They found that one out of every two, someone agreed or strongly agreed that actually sharing your faith was wrong. And so that presents us with this conundrum. It presents us with this problem. It presents us with this issue. It presents us with this option. And I hope over the last five weeks we have encourage you and we've been honest enough and vulnerable enough to say sometimes scripture is black and white but it doesn't seem black and white to us we know that sharing our faith is essential to who we are as believers we are a missional religion Jesus said Matthew chapter 28 go into all the world Acts chapter 1 verse 8 you will be my witnesses all over the world we understand that but sometimes right sometimes it's just not as black and white to us 
And so maybe you're here this morning, and if you are a believer, you're at the end of this series, and you're like, you know, I, I, I get it. I see it. I've read it. I've heard it. I've witnessed I've seen other people. I'm just not there yet. In fact, I had one of our leaders tell me recently, it was so encouraging to hear her say, I know this is true. I just, I'm just growing in this area. I'm not there yet. And I said, let's start here. Let's just start here. And so let's be vulnerable enough to say, Scripture says we should be living missionally, intentionally, so that others could know Jesus. But we also live in this culture where culture presents this idea to us that disagreement means we shouldn't even be at the same table together. Because if we disagree, there's some sort of implication that I'm judging you or you're judging me. So you keep your stuff to yourself. I'll keep my stuff to myself. And we'll try to live peaceably. The problem is, that's not how Scripture instructs a believer. And so we have this conundrum. We have these options. Do we listen to culture? Do we make this decision that if we share our faith with someone, it's going to result in disagreement? Culture would imply maybe in some way we're even enemies. Do we refuse to share our beliefs or do we allow Scripture to be the loudest voice in our life? Now, let me say something. All of us are in somewhere, if we're a believer this morning, we're all on this journey trying to figure out how do I engage in this? Some of you have never spoken your faith to anyone before. Let's start there. The question is, is evangelism an essential practice of following Jesus? Does it really matter? So in this series... We've encouraged you to consider the gospel we've been given, and today we want to ask you to give it away. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 11. I'm going to read, I'm just going to make a few comments, and I'm really setting up today for Marco to come out and share and encourage you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> starting in verse 11. This is Paul, the author. He's planted a church in Corinth. He's writing to this church in Corinth, and he says in verse 11, since then, this really goes back to verse 9 and 10 here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. And so this concept, when he says since then or therefore, we go back to the previous verses. In verse 9, he says, therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Listen to what he says in verse 10 before we get to verse 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Paul starts out this concept. He's going to make his way all the way down to verse 20. And he's going to posture to us this idea that if you are a believer, what you actually are is an ambassador. You're being sent by a governing authority. You've been sent with a mission by a governing authority. You've been equipped with this message, and what you actually are is an ambassador. You're like, I don't see myself as an ambassador. I'm just a church attender. You're an ambassador. Pastor Matt, I'm not a pastor. You're an ambassador. Pastor Matt, I just come to church. You're an ambassador. Pastor Matt, I don't lead a small group. You're an ambassador. And that's where he's going to move us to. And Paul says here, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. In other words, as an ambassador, we got this strong sense of divine accountability. In fact, this argument really goes all the way back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and Paul begins to share this idea that all of us are building our lives that eventually is going to reveal whether or not what we're building with has eternal value. And he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, are you building with um, gold, silver, or precious stones, or wood, hay, or straw? 
The difference between those two is that if you were to put a match to all of those materials, there's one set of materials that will um, poof, be gone in flames. There's another set of materials that would withstand the heat and the fire. And Paul's saying, whatever you're building your life on, you should consider whether or not it has eternal value. Paul has in mind this divine sense of accountability to be an ambassador with the good news of Jesus to others. Paul knew, I'm going to stand before God and give an account for my life and my ministry. And then he goes on to say in verse 11, therefore, since I know that I've got this divine accountability, I'm, I'm accountable to God. He goes on to say, then we try to persuade others. Now look, Obviously inherent in what Barna said two weeks ago is this concept that we should not be persuading others. They, we should just allow them to be who they are and we be who we are and at some point try to live peaceably with one another. Yet Paul says over and over and over in the New Testament, I have persuaded men and women to believe in the gospel of Jesus. Acts chapter 18, verse 4. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Acts chapter 19, verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 26, verse 28 and 29. Listen to what happens here. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long time. I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these changes that I'm in. Sometimes we're like, but Paul doesn't understand the culture we live in in 2019. Can I say to you, he really does not. He really has no clue because Paul's in chains for sharing the gospel. We've only created our own prisons in our own minds. Acts chapter 28, verse 33. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and they came in even in larger numbers to the place where he was staying. And he witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and the prophets. Listen to what happens. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Paul's trying to persuade people. He's speaking to their oppositions, their disbelief, their, their sort of their contempt, their, their doubts, and his method of persuasion. How does he persuade? Here's how he persuades. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2. The plain but passionate statement of truth. And Paul made it his life to persuade people that God has a greater plan for your life. Verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. This is very rich theologically. That those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Can I ask you a question? Do you think about this concept of sharing your faith as this compulsory activity? Do you? Just honestly, do you? Most of us do. Paul's saying here, I'm not motivated by compulsion. I'm motivated by the love of God. The love of God that constrains me, Paul says. The love of God that compels me. The love of God that keeps me from selfishness. It compels me to service. And so this love that Paul's speaking of here at 
It ushers us out to think about others. It's not a way for me to gain something when I share my faith with other people. It's not a way for me to, to, to gain something for myself. It's a way for others to enjoy the things that I've come to enjoy. And Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. Verse 16. Gosh, I wish I had enough time to do this. 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Listen to, listen to how Paul's perspective has changed. We read the book of Acts and we see Paul was the one on the other side of the fence persecuting Christians who were trying to propagate their faith. Paul's life has been transformed. Has your life been transformed? Paul's life has been changed. He's seen the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, and his perspective has changed. We now no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view, what Christ accomplished for Paul, what Christ accomplished for me, what Christ accomplished for you has brought us life out of his death. It's brought us richness of life out of Christ's suffering. And Paul says the love of Christ, his, his, his cross has transformed the lens through which I see everything. Last weekend, my son, my nine-year-old, picked up his first pair of glasses. <laughs> yeah, it's the curse of being my child. And uh, he picked up his first pair of glasses. It was, it was a really cool moment. It was sort of emotional for his mother and I. And we're in the optometrist, and he puts on these glasses. And you can see this moment. It's like, oh, my gosh. I see things that I never saw before. It's this moment of joy in his life. We sit down. At the, we're like, you know what? Let's go to lunch. Let's celebrate. Let's go to lunch together. You can see. Yes, let's go to lunch. <laughs> and we go to lunch. We sit down at the lunch table. And, and, uh, and, and he, always, he's, he loves sports. He always tries to sit at the table where he can see the TV. He sits down at the table where he can see the TV. You see his face lights up. Dad, I can see the scores on the bottom of the TV. It was so awesome to see my son. This new way of seeing life. Paul says, I've got a new set of lens through which I see everything. I no longer see Christ through the lens of the world. I, I now see Christ as selfless. I now see Christ as my joy. I now see Christ as my comfort. Then he goes on to say, I no longer see other people through the same lens that I used to look through. Think about this. How often do we look at people through these lenses? Someone to be bartered and sold. What can you do for me? Someone that can advance my own agenda. Someone who has something that I need. Paul says, I now see them as having something that they need that can transform their perspective as well. And if they could just see the Christ that I see. The love of Christ compels me. And so I'm going to ask Marco de Rivera. Marco's been with us now for uh, a month. Marco is a brand new uh, pastoral intern on our staff. You guys give it up for Marco. Come on out. Um, Marco was commended to us. You want to put your stuff down? Go ahead and do it. Marco was commended to us. Um, and one of the things that was said about him in the recommendation process was, you're probably not going to meet anybody that loves talking about Jesus as much as Marco. I, I wonder, uh, oftentimes, it's obvious that most Christians never share their faith, but, but it's also probably obvious you may not even know another Christian that shares their faith. And so I wanted to put one before you who does it actively, consistently. And so I'm excited for Marco to share with you guys this morning. Give it up for Marco. He's going to take the rest of our time.
Everybody? Good morning. Thank you, uh, Pastor Matt, uh, for that great word, for the opportunity uh, to share what the Lord has placed on my heart with you all this morning. Uh, For some of you who were here a couple weeks back, you may have seen my 90-second-ish testimony video. If you didn't get to see it, let me uh, catch you all up. So I didn't come to faith in Christ until I was 23 years old. Um, The exact date was March 5th, 2010. So I'm actually coming up on my ninth spiritual birthday here in a couple weeks. And um, yeah, so I was 23 years old. I grew up in the Catholic religion. I had never been presented the gospel in a way where I could understand that salvation is free. It is a gift from Jesus Christ. And it's not something that I can earn or uh, follow a a list of good things to do, and one day might be able to get to heaven. So on March 5th, 2010, a man by the name of Jim Maroney sat me down in his kitchen. He opened up the word of God, and he asked me, he started the conversation by saying, do you know where you'd go if you died today? And that's the first time I've ever been asked that. And I was like, uh, no, sir, I'm not sure. And he said, okay, well, if you could choose, or which would you say, which would you think you would go to, heaven or hell? And I said, well, I'd like to think I'd go to heaven. And he said, okay, that's a good answer. What would you tell God uh, why he should let you into heaven? Uh, Why do you think, uh, you know, what would you tell him? Do you believe God knows your entire life? Uh, And, uh, you know, he created you and loves you. I was like, yes, sir, I do believe that. And what I would tell him is that, you know, I'm a a good guy. I I went to church when I could. I read my Bible when I could. You know, yes, I I did sin. I did, uh, but, you know, I didn't kill anybody. Uh, so, you know, I feel like, you know, that I, I get in and then, uh, uh, Jim Maroney, I call him Papa Jim now cause he's my father-in-law spoiler alert. If you didn't know that, um, and he kind of laughed and he said, okay, Marco. Um, so with all that being said, do you believe that's enough to get you into the most perfect place ever created? I said, no, sir, probably not. So then he proceeded to take me down the plan of salvation or the Roman road, Romans road to salvation. And, um, I prayed to receive Christ that night right there in his kitchen, and uh, I'm grateful for Papa Jim uh, for, first and foremost, his love for Jesus, like Pastor Matt was talking about, compelled him to share with me. Uh, we love because Christ first loved us, and he obeyed um, God's call to share the gospel, and he sat me down, and I gave my life to Christ that night. Um, so once I got saved, the, the, very, the very next thing I asked was, Man, how did I miss this? For 23 years, I lived in the Bible Belt, um, surrounded by all these churches, and you know, I, I, I was a waiter for most of my life. I received tracts. For those of you who don't know what tracts are, they're these little pamphlets that have the gospel, and I would read them, and it would tell me how to receive Christ at the end, and I'd even read it and pray it and say, man, that was really good, and I would keep it. I would never throw them away, but the fact that he took the time to sit me down and see exactly where I was going is what made a difference in my life. And so when I, after I got saved, I wanted to share with everyone, but I didn't know exactly how. So I think a lot of the, a lot of the reason why people don't share their faith, um, this may be you, this was me, is because I was intimidated. I was scared. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to say it. You know, he took me down through all these verses. I couldn't even name three that he told me. And uh, so uh, to encourage you guys, um, there's, there's plenty of ways to share the gospel, but what speaks the loudest to those around you is how you live your life. Um, I'll share a story 
about uh, one of my friends I went to college with. I went to Georgia Southern University. Um, after, you know, this, this was one of my best friends. We did everything together. Uh, and after I came to faith in Jesus Christ, when I saw him, I had to share the gospel with him because I knew he wasn't saved by the way he lived. So I sat him down. I asked him the same question, and I, you know, shared the same things with him. And he, at the end, he was like, Marco, I, I, I got saved when I was four. And then in my head, I was like, man, how, you know, if you knew the Lord and you loved me, if I died before Papa Jim shared the gospel, I would have went to hell. And by the way he was living, I, I didn't know he was saved. So I'd encourage you to live in a way that the gospel is lived out by your actions. Uh, next, I'd like to share why we should share the gospel. Um, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus said and came to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. So, like Pastor Matt shared earlier, that's the Great Commission. Um, it's a command from the Lord, uh, not just given to pastors or missionaries. That's given to everyone who professes Christ as their Savior, is called to share the gospel. It's uh, the Great Commission, and it sadly is greatly omitted, meaning it's not followed. Uh, it, it's turned into the Great Suggestion, where people feel, oh, well, he'll go and do it. Uh, Pastor Matt will do it. Pastor Tyler will do it. But uh, God's placed each person in your life specifically, intentionally, to reach them through you. So I don't want anyone here to miss the opportunity of sharing the gospel and getting to uh, witness seeing someone come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's one of the greatest blessings you'll ever receive. Uh, the next story I'll share is uh, one of my best friends this time from after college. His name is Pac. Um, I've shared the gospel with him. Uh, countless times. Um, he didn't get saved until uh, 2017. Um, I got saved in 2010. So as soon as I got saved, I was sharing the gospel with him. And, you know, he was like, oh, I'm good. That's not for me. But I, I, I didn't give up. You know, I, kept, I planted that seed initially, and I kept praying for him. I kept sharing with him. And then finally, seven years later, we, we were in the gym parking lot, and, I, you know, he was going through tough times. And, and the Lord will use that. The Lord will use things that people go through as an opportunity for you to step in, to love on them, and to minister to them. And I shared, uh, shared those same verses with Pat that day, and he prayed to receive Christ. And he said, Marco, you know what spoke the loudest to me? What really hit me is I remember you before you knew Jesus. I knew how you lived before you became a Christian. And now I see how you live. And it's two different guys. He's like, you're the same guy, but you're not. So um, if you've come to a point, if you've professed Christ as your Savior, there has to be a point where you turn from your old ways and you're a new being in him. And God empowers us to live like him each day and to become more like him. And uh, I used to tell people back home that, you know, most people, I used to say some people may not ever open the Bible or step into church. But here in L.A., it's probably the majority of people will not ever open the page of a Bible or step into a church or a theater where the gospel is being preached. But they will see exactly how you live. They will hear you say, hey, 
would you like to come to church with me on Sunday? Or, hey, how are you doing today? You seem, you seem like something's wrong with you. Is there anything I could pray for you right now and ask God to meet that need in your life? And as you plant those seeds of loving on them and, and then little gospel conversations, they'll remember that. And if they do go through something or if they do come to a point where Christ has compelled them to come, to, they're going to come to you and they're going to ask you, hey, there's something different about you. And I, I, it sounds like it's Jesus. Tell me more. And, uh, you know, that's a great, a great opportunity to share the gospel. Um, Billy Graham once said, we, we must remember that we, communi- we communicate the gospel with our lives as well as our lips. So our lives should be witnessing and our mouths should be making witness by sharing the gospel. We are, like the Great Commission says, we're all called to make disciples and to be fishers of men. Remember that God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. And as Christians, we are all called to share what Christ has done. Some of Christ's last words were, go and make disciples of all nations. Sharing our faith isn't just a suggestion, it's a command. And uh, next, I'll share how, how I share the gospel and how you can share. There's a, there's a ton of ways, but the simplest way is called the ABCs of salvation, just like that, ABC. Admit, believe, confess. And if you have your Bibles or if you want to open them up, uh, I suggest you highlight or mark this. For A, admit that you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For, and that's Romans 3, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. The next verse for under A is, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Next, B, for believe. Believe on Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And that's John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And next is C, confess that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with, the mouth, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And that's Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And this last verse is from Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. So that last verse is saying if, if you came into a, a point in your life where you surrendered it all to Jesus Christ, you're not ashamed to share the gospel. You're not afraid of what someone might think or uh, of offending someone because nine, t- nine times out of ten or maybe ten times out of ten, every time I've shared my faith with someone, uh, either if they were a longtime friend or someone I met last week, more often than not, at the end, they say, man, thank you. Like, man, you really care about me. And uh, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. So, uh, like Pastor Matt said, one of the things my wife and I use as our ministry is the gym. We go to the gym as often as we can and back home, you know, or at any gym, when you go at a certain time, you see the same people, you see the same faces, you get to build relationships. And uh, another way to start a gospel conversation is just by simply asking someone, hey, how can I pray for you today? Is there a need in your life that I could ask God to meet? And more, more often than not, they'll say, yeah, um, you know. My wife's not doing well. She's sick. Uh, And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Do you mind if I pray with you right now? And just right there, just pray a simple prayer. Dear Jesus, um, I love my friend Mike, 
his wife is going through some pain. I just pray for peace and healing in her life. And uh, Jesus, I'm just so thankful for this friend of mine that you placed in my life and for his wife. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And as simple as that, and that can be a life-altering start for that person. So I'd encourage you uh, to do that. And... um, And lastly, after the ABCs of salvation, give them an opportunity, give them the invitation to pray and receive Christ, um, to to pray and ask Jesus into the heart. And and it's not a complicated prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's just something um, just like I'm married to my wife four years this past December, but it's not because I was with her for 10 years or however many years that she became my wife. There had to be a point where I got down on one knee and I asked her to be my bride. The same thing with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There comes a point where you need to ask him and surrender it all to him. Repent of your sins. Turn away and change your life and start living for him. And more than just sharing Bible verses and praying for someone, there needs to be a point where they actually hear the gospel. Uh, Like it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So nothing's more powerful than the word of God. It was, it's perfect, it's inerrant, and uh, when you share these verses, whenever I share with someone, I like to point, read a verse, and then the next one, I'll point it to them and say, hey, would, would you like to read that one? And they'll read it, and there's power. Whether that person prays to receive Christ or not, that in that moment, you're either planting or watering that seed. And um, I wish I could say every person I've shared the gospel with has come to faith in Jesus Christ, but uh, um, there's guys I could think of. I keep saying my best friend because I, I really love these guys, and I, I pray daily that they come to faith in Jesus Christ. Another one of my best friends back home, his name's Corey, and I've shared with him, like I did with Pac, every, every chance I get, and this is going on the ninth year, and I'm praying and believing that this is the year he comes to faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to give up on him because Jesus didn't give up on me. So uh, I'd encourage you, if there's someone in your life who you have been in, uh, sharing with and and it just seems like, man, they just don't want to hear it. You don't give up. Because uh, like Pac, there'll be a moment where they'll realize they need Jesus. And, um, and it's going to be a glorious day. And uh, everything, every time you share, always talk to God about that person. Then talk to that person about God. And it should always be done out of love. Um, never to just check it off like, oh, we're doing Mission 555. I have to share. It's not that you have to share. It's that you get to share. Um, those of you ha- who have led someone to Christ, you understand uh, the blessing and the, just, uh, the beautifulness of seeing someone come to that moment where they know that they need Jesus. And then not just that, not leaving them there after they prayed to receive Christ, but then coming alongside them and saying, hey, this is how to live a Christ-filled life. You pray. You spend time in the Word of God. You have fellowship with other believers Another great blessing about being a Christian is that you get this huge family that you get to do life with. And, uh, you know, the devil wants us to do life alone, but Christ wants us to do it together. So don't miss that. And uh, I'm just grateful as I close that uh, Papa Jim uh, loved, loves Jesus and loved me enough to sit me down and to share with me. And not just that, he uh, modeled a Christ-filled life for me. So uh, my prayer for each of you is that when you leave this place and when you go to your when you go to your jobs, when you go to your gyms, when you go to your grocery stores, look around you because Christ placed each of those people in your life 
so that he could reach them through you. So don't miss that opportunity. Don't miss that blessing. And uh, once you get over that hump, you know, your flesh is going to tell you, now's not the time. Now's not the time. But the Bible says today is the day of salvation. So, yes, now is the time. Now is the perfect time to share who you love with someone with you love, with someone you love. Um, who better to lead, who better to share the gospel with your mom than yourself? Who loves your mom more than you, you know? Who better to share the gospel with your best friend than you? They've seen who you were before Christ. They see who you are after Christ. Um, one of the best, one of the greatest moments in my life was getting to see my mom come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, um, wow. Now I know that when we leave this earth, I'll, I'll, see, I'll spend eternity with my mom. I mean, if you love someone, you're not going to let them continue down the path that will lead them to eternity in hell, separated from God and if you're a believer, from you. So uh, as we leave, um, just go, go with God, knowing that he's with you. Like the last verse in the Great Commission says, he's with you to the end of the age. How encouraging is that, that God is with you. He gives you the power. It's not your ability to share the gospel. It's your availability. If you make yourself available to go and share, God will make you able. Thank you. I need to get some smaller shirts whenever I share the stage with you. Thank you, Marco. I sure do love you, buddy. I love your heart for people sharing the all. We're going to close out. Our band's going to come on up. And I'm just going to finish out this passage with us today. And I wanted to encourage you. So we close out this series. I, I just want to commend to you this idea that living on mission doesn't stop because the series stops. But it should be the beginning for some of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself. It's the whole message there. It's the beauty of the gospel, reconciliation, taking things that are broken and fixing them, taking enemies and causing them to become friends. It's beautiful, this picture of reconciliation. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Those of us who are recipients of reconciliation, we have the joy of becoming a participant of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Do you understand this? Every other religion on the planet has a method by which you repair the bro broken relationship that you have with the God that you believe in. Christianity says you have a problem with God and God repaired the relationship. Not counting our trespasses against us, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, I'm almost done. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ. As ambassadors, we aren't too proud to beg. Be reconciled to God. Verse 20 said, verse 21. He made him. This is the message, by the way. This is the message. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. I want to encourage you to go forth, live intentionally, missionally. See people through the lens of an ambassador, one who's been reconciled. 
one whom God did something extraordinary on our behalf so that we could be fixed from what was broken. We could become a friend when we were once an enemy. That's the joy of knowing Jesus. Let me pray for us this morning. We're going to sing one last song. God, thank you for the joy of knowing Jesus, being transformed by Jesus. God, when we ponder and consider the glory of the wonderful news of the gospel, that when we had a problem with you, you initiated the solution. You reconciled us. You fixed what was broken. You transformed what wasn't right. You caused us to become a friend when we were once enemies. God, may we see people through those lands, the glorious grace of the gospel. May we be a people. I consider it daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.